Welcome back to HBCU. On the last episode, we were having a conversation with G, Omarosa, and Helen about their experience on the yard. And we left off with G talking about her experience on the yard of JSU, Jackson State <laughs> University in Jackson, Mississippi. Thank you. So, G, I'm going to let you pick up where you left off. Well, in addition to the, some of the social action uh, activities that I participated in, I think the other two things that I really enjoyed about Jackson State during my time were the athletics because we were a powerhouse in our conference, the, the SWAC. Mm -hmm. um, winning was just like a term of art. It was like, okay, we're going to play. We know we'll win. We lost a few games here and there, but for the most part, we were definitely a huge force to be reckoned with on the SWAC. The third thing that I remember the most about being at Jackson State was the academics. Uh, I, as I said earlier, I was a STEM major, and I ran with... Uh, my classmates, and we were all a part of the W.E.B. Du Bois Honors College. And we all talked very lovingly about the dean of the Honors College, Dr. Maria Luisa Alvarez Harvey. We were her babies, and she demanded excellence from us. And so I remember how we all studied together to make sure that we all moved together. And so it was, it was also about the athletics and the academics for me as well. But you touched on a critical piece of the HBCU experience, and that's that family unit mm -hmm. uh, that you have that doesn't exist at, you know, majority institutions. Uh, it seems that the, uh, the, the professors really, you know, wrap their arms around you they and they, they take ownership in your success. Whereas, in, you know, and I'm not knocking, you know, majority institution by any means, but uh, oftentimes because statistically, uh, African-Americans scored lower on uh, achievement tests. They tend to be not as prepared, uh, you know, just statistically mm -hmm. uh, to enter college uh, just from all of the tests, right? And so the HBCU experience oftentimes, that one-on-one -on -one attention that you can get could be a difference maker in the terms of you being successful and being able to complete that that degree. So um, that's, a, that's a very... And, and I think that's because you have professors who could teach at any other school, but they are dedicated to the success of African-American right. students. Mm -hmm. Right. Now, Omarosa, what was your experience like on the yards? Four-time HBCU, three-time HBCU graduate. I feel like I'm watching an all-star game. <laughs> Three-time HBCU graduate, four-time <laughs> Hall of Famer, <laughs> homecoming queen. <laughs> I truly got everything that you can get out of an HBCU experience. I got it. You, you check a box, I got it. I mean, uh, my family has a very long historical um, commitment to serving this country, so I was in ROTC. Yeah. As I mentioned, I was recruited for the Lady Marauders volleyball team. I was in the radio and television uh, station on air as an air, on air personality. I was a part of student government because, you know, leadership is essential to who we are and what we do. And I was a part of the gospel choir. If you name it, I did it. <laughs> I wanted to get the most out of the HBCU experience. But I will tell you one thing that, um, that I did that I think is also very essential. We didn't always win every single game, but we won every single party. <laughs> undefeated. I, we are undefeated. I am going to be transparent with you all. 
I partied so hard. I mean, I got my grades too, but we cannot, you know, skip over the truth about the HBCU experience comes with the social aspect. A absolutely. You know, whether it was the great parties or, you know, playing spades or whether it was, you know, hanging out with your friends. I have to tell you that my life would not be the same, I believe, had I gone to a PWI as opposed to an HBCU. Wow. Helen? Well, I'll say this, just from observing and listening to the other ladies, it's just beautiful, you know. I always felt like when, when I started at an HBCU, like it's almost, it's a family environment, but if you don't have a family, when you get on campus, you will have one. Certainly. Right, right. <laughs> How nurturing and loving, <clears throat> and that's something that's really important for our community, especially because of the dynamics, you know, that we face coming out the gate. So it really gives us an opportunity to be supported in a way like no other. So that experience has been wonderful for me. The art department, uh, some of the best artists in mm -hmm. the world, uh, you know, Henry Linton um, and so many others, the band, um, uh, agricultural and fisheries, uh, the STEM experience, yeah. uh, getting students in STEM is, is, is very significant and it's all about exposure. So I've learned so much. I was in honors college as well. I think I was the vice president of the National Association for Black, National Association for Black Journalists uh, once I attended and I'm trying to think what other organizations, but anything that I could get involved in, I was e excited about doing it. Yeah. And everyone was so loving mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. and, and kind, you know, um, that was my experience, uh, just like like family. I, I never went out without a meal. Um, I can't tell you, how, some people did a freshman 15. I was non-trad, but non-traditional student, but I still was always invited to someone's <laughs> house to eat if there was a homecoming. Like you literally, I would not eat breakfast because I would get there and you get so many different uh, types of food and, yeah. you know, and people, you know, hanging out and, you know, it's, it's really the music, exceptional mm. music. I mean, so many wonderful things. Yeah. Well, you know, we forgot to talk about one thing, G. Now, on, on the yard now, you can't leave out Greek life. Now, I, I already know I already know the new friend in the yard at Jackson State, so we don't have to talk about that part of it, but I know you're a member of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated, so talk to me about Greek life at Jackson State. Well, I was initiated at Jackson State University in the illustrious Delta Phi chapter. Uh, we had, uh, at that time, it was the Elite Eight. Now it's the Divine Nine, but there were mm -hmm. the Elite Eight at the time when I attended. And I will say, yes, there were parties on the campus, and that was a part of the Greek life as well. But we were absolutely committed to public service, mm -hmm. and we wanted to make sure that we got into the community around Jackson State. Um, we provided services to children, to um, to um, the elderly, I remember going to like one of the nursing home uh, in the air, nursing homes in the area, but we 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 were well-rounded kids. I would yeah. say that. Mm -hmm. And you know, one of the other things that used to happen um, when I attended is is there was this award that was given out by nationals of the chapters that had the highest GPA. Yeah. And so Jackson State, of course, was trying to compete to make sure that everyone knew that Delta Pi chapter was also committed to academics. Wow. What about the Greek shows? Oh, the Greek shows. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the Greek shows. The Greek shows were really good. Yeah. I mean, we, um, we had we had a lot of different Greek shows, uh, you know, profiling on the yard, uh, making sure, you know, did you have the best jacket or the best T-shirt? I mean, so there were some other competitive things yeah. that went on at the time that you're alluding to. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, 
I think everyone have uh, a different story in terms of how they ended up at an mm -hmm. HBCU. And I know Helen, yours uh, is quite intriguing to me, it's, and it's different. Uh, talk to me how you how you selected your HBCU. Well, I had started off a di on a different track, uh, and it wasn't, you know, I grew up in a time where, you know, we were watching like the Cosby show and a different world, and so my, my whole idea of HBCUs were painted by that. And then my sister went on to go to an HBCU, my father, and I took my aunts and uncles. Let me say like, one thing. One you, everyone that attended HBCU have been on at least one episode of A Different World. Uh -huh. <laughs> 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 but for me, it was like, you know, growing up in a, in a rural area and not necessarily seeing like what, you know, my, certain types of, uh, a certain type of environment like that had this, the sort of esteem that it needed to have, like having, uh, like how we're sitting here today and these women are modeling this behavior and they had other women to aspire uh, to be like, like those examples. You can see that on any given day in any given department at an HBCU, you can go into, you know, uh, your advisor and they have they're they're achieved and they are mm -hmm. encouraging you to go to the next level and they're telling you you can do it right. and right. they're telling you how you can do it and then they're holding you you accountable like right. yeah. where were you right. you know you can go and hang out and party that's why I said it's kind of like church you know you're, uh, like when I was growing up my mom used to say if you go out at nighttime you better be ready to get up and go to church on Sunday morning <laughs> if you can great. go yeah. you know so it's that too you know that the, the um, the fact that we were founded on principles that were, you know, community and, uh, you know, God and faith and, you know, from our ancestors, we, we've just really evolved into this modern day, um, I don't want to call it a modern day church, but a modern day, uh, you know, example of how you can overcome, you know, mm -hmm. and it's constantly seeing that threaded throughout the entire experience. When you come home to homecoming and you see people who are doctors and, mm -hmm. and you know, lawyers and successful business people, and we're coming back home and then we're coming and we're pouring into the, the students there, the freshmen, and they're looking and we're modeling all of this uh, behavior in front of them. And it sets a new, it sets a new precedence. It right. sets a new standard. So for me, that's, that's what I experienced. And even today, like I'm, I'm gleaning from these ladies and, and, and you know and I know mm -hmm. listening to you as well and your story but it helps me you know it's a, a scripture that says iron sharpens iron right. but it makes you it helps you to stand a little taller yeah. because when you mm -hmm. go out into corporate America we know it's not necessarily the same and, I, and I'm, I'm not gonna stay on this too long <laughs> but but when you can come home and be supported it helps you to to give you the 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 fire that you need to keep going. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. it really does. So, and you can't, you can't replicate that. Right. Like, where do you get that? You can't bottle it. It's something that's created by an experience. Right. Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And a spirit. You know, you can almost tell a, a person who's come from an HBCU how they carry themselves. It's a, it's a, you know, the dignity, the pride. Right. Mm -hmm. Helps you to run your company better. When you can look back on, you know, what you've gone through and where you are today. A lot of that is because of the teachers, that a sacrifice, they could have been in any type of corporate position, but a lot of times they lay that down so they can pour into students mm -hmm. to change the trajectory of our futures. Right. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> yeah. Oh, what about you? What, what led to your decision to select your different HBCUs? <laughs> well, at the time, I was really focused on being an athlete, so I had to choose between, I played two sports, I was a, a distance runner, and I was a volleyball player, and my mother said that um, I had to choose, and she thought a team sport would be you know, less of a responsibility. 
And so I was recruited to Ohio State. It's interesting when you mentioned Ohio State law. But when I toured the campus, they assigned us numbers. And I remember what that felt like because they were like, well, where did number seven four go? Because, of course, I left the group. But when I got to, um, to Central State, it's hard to say Omarosa, quite frankly, but everyone said, oh, welcome to the campus, Omarosa. We're happy you're here, Omarosa. Omarosa, come this way. And I remember the contrast between touring Ohio State, which had so much more resources for an athlete my, like myself, but Central State had an essential ingredient that I needed, and that was I needed to be nurtured. Mm -hmm. You know, I was a student with a disability. Unlike these two ladies, I wasn't in any honor society. I was happy to make the C grade that I needed to compete as an athlete. But uh, my professor, Joe Lewis, who ran the disability program, um, or now they, I, I believe they call it student special services, mm -hmm. wanted to make sure that I had the tools that I needed to thrive not only as a student athlete, but as an academician. And because of his attention and him pouring into me, I got the confidence, mm -hmm. the same confidence I had on the court, I now walked into the classroom with that confidence. That could only happen, Dee Brown, at a historically black college. Wow. G, uh, what about you? How did you end up at Jackson State University? Well, uh, both my parents attended Jackson State University. That's where they met. Um, and so I grew up, it was, it's really funny, I grew up, when I went to Jackson State, I knew our school song because my parents sang it to each other in the house. <laughs> so it was like, you know, like their, their love song. And so I knew uh, Jackson Fair, Jackson Deer, before I even got to the campus. Um, I knew of other HBCUs but I wanted to continue with that family tradition. Mm. And I think one of the things that um, I wanted to, to just kind of highlight is, yes, HBCUs are there in order to uh, change the trajectory of, of a lot of first-generation students. Mm -hmm. But there are also students like me who weren't first-generation and went purely for the legacy portion of it. Right. Yeah. And so there are a lot of <clears throat> students that I know now, a lot of my classmates, whose children are now attending Jackson State. And so sometimes I think the, the choice is not, you know, you're 18 is, I think it's the most insane thing to ask someone who's 18 to pick a major that they're <laughs> going to be able to live for right. for the next, what, 40 for, years? Right. Like, I think that's pretty bad. But I, I do think that the guidance that you get, particularly when it's about tradition and legacy, mm -hmm. and that's why I went to Jackson State, because it was a, it was a family school. My parents went all the family friends went, and so that's all I ever knew was Jackson State, and so that's why I went, and I think I really made a great decision, particularly in light of the fact that I was a STEM major, and Jackson State is known for being the largest producer of STEM majors. Wow. Right, and that's an interesting uh, point, but uh, HBCUs just in general, and I think I've mentioned, mentioned this before, produce approximately 25% of all African-American STEM graduates. Oh, wow. Even though HBCUs only have about 10% mm -hmm. of the African-American college students enrolled. So that's Incredible. a significant contribution that HBCUs are, are uh, playing in the uh, uh, advancing the educational uh, opportunities for African-Americans. Uh, but when you talk about your individual colleges, is there anything that you feel is unique about your college, your HBCU, that's different that you can't find any, anywhere else. May I talk a bit about um, the fact that Howard University currently has the first 
African-American woman to serve as the Vice President of the United States, that we are centered in the capital of this great country, that we are mere six miles away from the seat of power of this country. We produce more uh, senators and congressmen and, of course, the only, first and only African-American um, justice, although there have been other African-American justices, but the first came out of Howard University Law. The contribution that Howard University has made to the political landscape of this country cannot even be measured, but it's because of where we are located and the fact that it is not unusual for these officials to come on campus and to interact with our student body. But more importantly, Howard University does not teach fellowship. It teaches leadership in this country, but also on a global scale. And some of the things that I've taken from that in my service to this country, both serving two U.S. presidents, a vice president, of course, on Capitol Hill, is that if we want to see change in this country, it starts right here at this table. It starts with every single one of us saying that I see an area of development, I see an area in credit ratings, I see an, an area in law and inventions, and I want to leave my mark on that. And by leaving a mark personally, we also take the legacy of our institutions, we take the passion of our parents, we take the spirit of our ancestors, and we say that we are here, you will recognize us, and we are going to make a difference. Absolutely. Anyone else have a... I'm just gonna just kind of uh, add to that and say too, well, we also, like you said, are taking a position, but also not waiting for someone to give us permission. Mm, preach. Because when you are uh, free in your mind, you're free indeed. So that means you have the same right and privilege, also responsibility to make a difference, to be impactful, to be purposeful. And you learn that all at your HBCU, or yeah. it's an addition. It's like, a, you know, almost like taking a vitamin, like a vitamin infusion, like you have your dinner, but also take some extra vitamins. Well, it's, that's a whole, it's a whole um, ecosystem of mm -hmm. support. Yeah. So uh, you can't mimic that. So I will say for me, the most uh, important thing are the people, the teachers, um, because they, they really sacrifice, and it's not that they don't have the talent or didn't have any desires to do anything different, especially early on. My father told me a story about when he went off to college, you know, how he didn't have a dormitory to stay in, uh, the housing was like really limited, and how a school secretary uh, saw talent in him, saw some potential in him uh, within mathematics, and mm -hmm. um, she let him stay with him. He got a job working in the office, um, you know, filing and typing memos uh, in the office of the president, and they noticed him. And those are the types of opportunities that don't come as often uh, tr on the traditional path because we have some work to do there. But when you have a ecosystem that recognizes talent, that recognizes potential, that can look at a, someone from wherever they come from and say, oh no, you can do better, you're gonna do great things. When you have someone telling those sorts of stories, it helps the students to rise high, higher. Right. I agree. Right. And I, I think agree. that's what's so special that I learned at UAPB, University of Arkansas at Pine Bluff. It was, you know, <laughs> it was just like, you didn't have a choice to be mediocre. No. Yeah. They drew all the and talent out. It wasn't an option. It wasn't mediocre an option. Was an option. Right. And, and also the love. It was done in a loving way. So it's so special, it really is. Mm -hmm. And I would add to that, I think as a, as a student uh, in this type of situation, you have a sense of responsibility because you're carrying the dreams and the hopes of 
people that couldn't go to college. So like mm -hmm. my parents went to college, but my grandmother did not. And so she, you know, did everything that she could, my, my father's mother, to, to do whatever she needed to do in order for my father to go. And so when I went to the same school that she had sacrificed for my father to go, I felt like I had a responsibility to continue her dreams. Mm. And so that's what I also think you get at an HBCU because you're going on, you understand the historical uh, perspective of why HBCUs were even created. Mm -hmm. right. And so you have a responsibility, as um, Helen said, mediocrity is not an option. Right. You know, <clears throat> I guess a question I have is with, with us understanding the importance of HBCUs, the impact that they're having on the, uh, the, the global economy, um, what can we do? What do you think some of the things we can do to help promote and encourage more uh, people of color to to support uh, HBCUs and be part of HBCUs? Because we're, HBCUs are only educating, again, 10% of the African-American uh, college students. Well, I believe something we can do is, you know, you know, basically give back, you know, take time, have conversations like we're having today. If you don't talk about it, you cannot be about it, so to speak. Right. Exposure. <laughs> A lot of times when we have students that graduate from HBCUs and then they take their go to graduate school. They may go to a, a different type of, you know, more traditional uh, university. But I feel once you have that accomplishment, tell your story testify. You tell yeah. other, your, the younger people, your mentees, hey, I went to an HBCU. I feel this is helpful. Start in your inner circle. Also, corporations, when you're talking to your corporations in corporate America, let them know too, because sometimes it's an opportunity to educate, to let them know where their talent is coming from. And if you have talent that you are kind of cherry picking out of this community, you need to give back monetarily because you're benefiting directly from that talent. So I, be, I believe it starts with our immediate community, with our family. You know, I have, you know, my sons and, you know, they have their ideas of universities, but I talk about, you know, their grandmother teaches at a, a taught it, retired from an HBCU as a professor. Um, but I also encourage them, look into these opportunities at an HBCU, get the experience. I've taken one of my sons to, um, excuse me, to a, uh, the first time he ever experienced a Greek step show. Uh, one of his former babysitters had a, a step show and I took him there and he was just overwhelmed with the excitement. Um, and why are we excite, excite, excited? Because it's graduation, but it's also sisterhood, camaraderie, brotherhood. It's so many things that it's produced out of that community. And, it, it, and it's, it's an experience that everyone should have. Mm -hmm. You know, I... As a, I recruit for all of my institutions, any, any chance that I get. But one of the things that I did when I was in the White House D um, was a program called HBCU All-Stars. And I contacted the presidents of all of the HBCUs at the time and asked them to nominate outstanding students to come on the Hill and to tell their story. And so we took them on Capitol Hill, took us to the Senate, brought them to the White House and allowed them to talk about their journey to HBCUs. They talked to us from a policy standpoint about the things that they needed for their institutions. But I wanted to make sure that they saw in action how profound they could be as representatives of these great schools. I don't push people too hard to, you know, that you have to go to an HBCU. 
I live my life in a way that they look at me and go, man, I want a piece of that. You know, I want to have that type of swag that she has. I want to have the elegance that Helen has. I want to make sure that I have the confidence of a D. Brown. So I live my life in a way that if you want a piece of this, you know, <laughs> all of this, right. you have to make some of the decisions that I made. And I made a very intentional decision to be educated at schools that welcomed us, not, you know, just, you know, tolerated us. Right. And historically, some of these, you know, PWIs, they didn't allow us um, to attend, which is mm -hmm. why I, I didn't want to go anywhere that, you know, had in their constitutions that, it, you know, African-Americans couldn't be educated there. Well, you know, look, look a, a very important part of this show is for us to pay homage to you ladies for all that you have done to inspire uh, and to uh, promote and to uplift HBCUs. And so for all that you all have done for the HBCUs, historically black colleges and universities, we want to award each of you, if you just wow. pass it down, okay. with an HBCU <laughs> Lifetime wonderful. Achievement, oh achievement my Award for your outstanding commitment and contributions <laughs> wow. to historically black colleges and universities. Thank you, Dee. This is beautiful. awesome. And you will get your award in the mail. <laughs> and we appreciate you ladies so much. It's and we appreciate all you have, you have done. We appreciate you, you for being on HBCU. And to my viewers, thank you for watching. And remember, without you, there's no me.